9th of August, 2017, and <sighs> what a frustrating week. Uh, before I get into the meat of this, I've uh, slowed down on shirt making, but I'm about to speed that back up, so if you want to support me, I'll be making various shirts, including an entire line of explained shirts at uh, the request of a Twitter user named John Loth. Lothy, maybe Lotha. I don't know. It's it looks like a German spelling, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was Lotha. But uh, I don't. I haven't asked him. Um, which is related to a string of tweets I made like a m- month ago, maybe, maybe two weeks, maybe three. I don't know. Time is weird now. 
Um, and I'm also going to update my Patreon to have uh, so- somewhat interesting rewards soon. I haven't quite decided on what they will be, but I decided that my current rewards aren't really very interesting. And also, I haven't posted my, my Moment of Rage episodes to the Patreon, so it's not like people can see what they'd be paying for anyway. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll be, I'll be increasing the ways that people can fund me because, uh, there's a strong possibility that I'll be moving soon, uh, east. I, I don't know when this move will take place. I think probably I want to spend some time with family before I do that. So, uh, it'll probably be... Um, the beginning of December, uh, but I, like, since the move is happening sooner because an opportunity cropped up that I don't think I want to, um, turn down, um, uh, I won't be able to do the road trip I've discussed on social media, uh, multiple times, but I do plan on doing that eventually. It's just, uh, I, I need to grab this brass ring while it's still there, and I'll be moving east. I'm not going to reveal any details yet, um, especially since I'm a pessimistic cynic, as many of you might know, and I don't like to talk about things that haven't materialized very much, especially since if I do get all amped up for that shit and it doesn't happen, you know, it's not just the, the, the audience of Moment of Rage listeners, I don't know, ragers? Whatever. There should be a nickname. I don't know. I don't know what yet, though. Um, that will be disappointed. It will be me too. So I, I'm gonna measure this with skeptical, you know, pessimistic cynicism, the same way I do everything else. Um, and I'm not gonna really amp it up too much. But I am gonna say that if you want to support me and uh, my efforts moving east, um, there are multiple ways you can do that. I have a Teespring store. Uh, I also am about to move to Threadless because they have a better interface. Probably. You know, there's a possibility that the new Teespring features like flags and posters and shit will keep my interest, but I don't know. Um, and I also have a cash.me tag, um, and people can donate via that. Uh, I, I would use PayPal as well, but... Uh, the PayPal I have that's associated with my card is also, like, the same email I use for everything, so I'm not really keen on that. That's why I like CashMe. It's, it's more, uh, it's, it's a more social-friendly app than PayPal, and, uh, and all you have to do is put down your cash tag, and you've got the, you've got it in the bag. I, I, I also, like, I really liked Change Tip back when they were still there. Because you could just tip somebody by using the tip moniker, uh, and your your account would tip them the amount that that you wanted to tip, and it was Bitcoin and dollar available. But I think just like too few people use that, especially since like that's an immediate and obvious uh, tracker to your political beliefs. If you tip somebody who has a belief that's not necessarily uh, advertiser friendly. Uh, then people might say, hey, why are you throwing money their way? But I don't know, maybe people who do that don't really give a shit. 
uh, anyway, and they're they're proud to stand behind their their monetary spending policies and habits. I don't know, um, but you know, I was I was sort of uh, sad to see it go because it was an ingenious model. If uh, if they ever come back, I'll be one of the early adopters for whatever model brings them back to the table because they were a they were a decent company. Plus, they converted Bitcoin, which um, is is something that plenty of these other apps don't do. You can get like the Federal Reserve notes, but you can't get um, anything in Bitcoin, and you can't you can't um, send or receive Bitcoin. I mean, I'm sure that's going to come, especially now that Bitcoin's forked off and it's Bitcoin Cash now as well, which fucking defeats the purpose and I think is one of the the things that I sort of saw coming in my skepticism of it because it's really easy to hijack cash, but it's very hard to hijack an encrypted network. I mean, Google's quantum computing may be able to do it and very quickly, but it took a long-ass time to build that. So we at least still have some time, possibly, um, before we will lose access to all of our privacy. I, I don't know. But what I do know is that, you know, there are multiple ways that you can get, uh, th that you can support what I do. That I just talked about um, Cash.me and uh, my shirts. I'll include links to both of those and also my Patreon in the description for this episode and um, probably all future episodes as well because uh, at this point I need to start getting real serious about making lots of high quality content which I'm about to start using HitFilm to make uh, visual effects um, rich uh, political video content. And uh, it's going to be much higher quality. It's going to be like cut together. I'll probably use a script because I don't do that. That's why it sounds like I'm ranting a lot of the time is because I'm ranting a lot of the time. Um, but I, I want to start making a lot of the, the content that, that, that will get people's eyes on these sorts of things. So if you want to start sharing that sort of thing, you'll be able to, uh, especially since... Um, P like I I read this social s survey where it's like people I think by a factor of seventy to eighty percent depending on the study, um people will be much more likely to watch a short video that involves very little words than they will be to watch a, a longer video that's of greater substance. But that you know. What that means is that you can take that sort of short attention span model and snap somebody out of it if you have an interesting, compelling-looking video that you also have good, uh, good, good information in. And uh, then you all you have to do is make enough of them, which, since they're short, it seems fairly easy um, that you can stay relevant. And so I think I'm about to start doing that sort of thing. Uh, so I'll be doing that sort of sharing on my uh, personal profiles and on my um, more content-oriented profiles, and I'll also be uh, including links to some of the more important ones in the descriptions on these radios. I'll also be uploading to YouTube, etc., etc. That was basically just an update, because it's fucking August, and my show is going to be a year old in like 
four months or something, and um, and I, and I need to be very serious about using this because you know, frankly, I didn't expect it to do as well as it did, but I want it to do so much better now that it is. Um, and I think that if you are a regular listener uh, of this show, that you also want it to uh, do more things. So uh, I'm going to try and keep you all updated. Maybe I'll do an update video. Um, I've also uh, had some interest in doing some live shows. Uh, I, I, I can't do I can't facilitate call-ins quite yet, except by like the Skype or the, the Google Hangouts or whatever. Um, but I might be able to um, facilitate call-ins if I can get enough viewers, which, hell, that might happen. I don't know. It's, it's a strange new world where there's a lot of different ways to, to interact with people, and, uh, and I could probably very easily do some Periscope, some Facebook Live, some shit like that related to Moment of Rage and really amp this shit up to the, to the place where people will want merch just of the show. Um, anyway... <laughs> But uh, enough about me. Um, let's talk about the fired Google employee. So, James Damore, he made this what's being deemed anti-diversity memo, which it's fucking not, but y whatever. You can call it that if you want. Um this anti-diversity memo that basically said Google had turned into an ideological echo chamber because their diversity policies were based on uh, diversity of demographics and biologics instead of diversity of you know skills and properly applying those skills. Basically, affirmative action, inaction. And... Um, while some anarchists see the value of affirmative action as sort of, I don't know, a reparations or a way to reverse some sort of systemic whatever, to me, I see these sorts of diversity measures as not diversity measures, but um, anti-inclusion measures. Because, like, if, if you get brownie points for how few white people you hire compared to other people or how few men you hire, or how few straight people or cis-normative people you hire uh, compared to other people, then you're not actually advocating justice for the injured parties. You're advocating for a system where new uh, parties can become injured. Uh, I think I've mentioned this a few times in some other videos and some other interactions with some other people. I don't know. Uh, you know, I should probably organize my shit but you can't fix one injured party by injuring another. You can't, you can't fix systemic inequality by creating systemic inequalities. And the fact that this is something that needs to be said is, I think, sort of... It's, it's a symbol. It's a symbol of what the world has become, where people are basically seeking brownie points for shit that's unrelated to personal skill, that for shit that's unrelated to the actual thing being discussed, like in a tech job doesn't care about your melanin levels. Uh, a, 
a fucking programming position or, or an engineering position does not care that you have ovaries. What it cares about is that you perform highly, but there's a thing called genetic dimorphism, and what it is is it's the phenotypical presentation will be that of what is most useful in their particular role. And what this means is that a lot of the time, uh, for instance, a male member of the species will have exaggerated mating traits like wild colors and, uh, and longer body parts, and those will be used to attract members of the opposite sex in the same species. And what this generally means is that, and that's just like the, the, the sexual aspect of it, but what this also generally means is that the species will have certain roles for certain uh, sexual presentations. And, uh, if, because for, you know, men, males in, in, in animal species are typically the disposable ones because you can have one male impregnate many women, but you can only have uh, a limited amount of spawn carried in one female, uh, creature. And what this generally means is that Evolutionarily speaking, not necessarily because they're selected, but because um, because the species that don't have this sort of presentation don't generally tend to survive for a very long period. Um, the ones that do survive generally have adapted preferences for specific uh, sexual phenotypical expressions and that means that men and women are fundamentally different like this should be like really obvious by the way but I'm explaining it like with a very rough um, version of what I understand to be the scientific explanation because many people seem to think that the only place for understanding that there are fundamentally things that men and women will be better or worse at is in a misogynist or a misandrist. Somebody who has a fundamental bias against one or the other gender in an unfair way. And it it's, couldn't be further from the truth, uh, for the most part, anyway. And basically, the anti-diversity memo, which it's, again not that. The anti-diversity memo, um, essentially what it said was that instead of ignoring, denying, and rejecting these sorts of uh, presentations and these sorts of inherent uh, advantages or disadvantages of certain sexes to certain roles in a professional capacity, maybe they should be understood so that there can be a more open conversation about how uh, to properly utilize people's uh, dimorphic traits. Um, and he, he, he's not, like, blunt about any of this. He's, he's 
pretty fair about all of it, even though I don't think fairness is possible in any meaningful sense. He's he's closer than a lot of people get. Um, and he's fired in saying that, you know, like Google's got this echo chamber and they should start to be open to the ideas that maybe they were wrong about how to organize the company and maybe they shouldn't be a primarily leftist environment because having some right-leaning philosophy in there would be helpful to business. And also, you know, maybe don't hire people because of their physical presentation. Maybe hire them because they have the proper skills for the job and then understand the limitations of their person so that you can put them in appropriate roles. Um, but this was not taken well by many people. And uh, The Verge, I think it was, wrote an article on the on this memo that said it, it was going internally viral. And as soon as this started gaining press traction, he was fired. Well, uh, you know, it's not just some people on the outside that agree. It's You can read this article on Wired.com. It says, Internal messages show some Googlers supported Fired Engineer's manifesto. Which, to, to call it a manifesto is fucking ridiculous, but whatever. Because, um, like, everybody's like, oh, it's a memo. And then once he's fired and people start to hail him as, a, as, as some sort of, you know, hero or whatever, once WikiLeaks starts to offer him a job, it's a manifesto, which, by the way, good on WikiLeaks. But it's one of those things where something that could have been so simple and so effective has been blown out of proportion because people couldn't just shut the fuck up and listen to somebody else. Um, and that's essentially what it is. It's, it's intolerance of ideas in the social justice mindset and the almost undying love of hearing themselves speak. It's, it's not designed for civil conversation. It's not designed for really fleshing issues out. It's designed for shoving the agenda down the throats of whoever is available and saying that if you disagree with this approach, you're a bigot of one sort or another. Um, but anyway, like, apparently there's a, a small libertarian cr uh, cluster of, of, of employees in Google, and they agreed with him, uh, 100%, um, with some few, with, with a few exceptions. And they, he, because he asked them for some constructive feedback, and, and a lot of them uh, seemed to think that he, he, he did well, but some of his wording was off, like he shouldn't use the word Marxist or whatever. But he wasn't very inflammatory by any realistic standards. But he was fired, and now is the subject of controversy. And it's not so much that he was fired that that that's worthy of note. It it's the environment that creates the sort of employer that would fire somebody over that kind of language. That's what's interesting. That's that's the place we're in, where everybody's feelings must be protected. And 
it's this sort of environment where people will start to run to authority figures, run as fast as they can whenever something exists outside of their comfort zone. And in this environment, basically, anything goes as long as you're an authority figure because people attach their safety to those authority figures. Their, their safety in their neighborhoods is entrusted to government cops. Um, their safety in, in, in foreign terms is entrusted to government and militaries you know, and, and intelligence agencies, and their safety in the, in the workplace is <clears throat> supported by, by regulations and regulatory agents where people will consider a limiting or a lack of this government and anybody who advocates such or anybody who advocates a curtailing of the sorts of mentalities and practices that lead to this sort of environment that James Damore was protesting as a direct threat to their safety. And that's a huge problem. Huge. What it means is that the government can keep growing exponentially because people believe that without the government, it, you know their corporate allies and all of the ruling elites that things would be worse that they couldn't be safe and this is divorced from reality of course because government agencies don't care about the safety of the people there might be members of those government agencies that do but ultimately, they know what game they're getting involved in. It's sort of like when articles are now telling us to not be afraid of the deep state because it's the only weapon against Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Let's trust the MKUltra CIA, the, the deep cover state officials, to fight authoritarian regimes. Let's trust them to fight Trump as an authoritarian. Let's trust the better conscience of the sorts of people that released LSD on subways to decide what kind of things the president should be able to do. And, and we're surprised when it can look like the president's just acting of his own volition. Well, if the entire paradigm seems to be shifted against you, what would you do? And I don't think that's what's happening either, mind you. I think what's happening is an elaborate show with a lot of shit going on in the background that people aren't allowed to know about and don't care enough about because there's another scandal out. And this this was sort of tested under Obama. Because he got to say all those, oh no, you didn't things. Like, you didn't build that. He got to joke about bombing American citizens with Predator drones. He, he got to um, seem like the sympathetic guy one moment. And the big 
fucking over-golfing asshole the next. And people bought that shit. They bought that that was the way government was working instead of that being what government is doing to make you think that it's working inefficiently when it's a very well-oiled machine. Because if people think the government is just stupid, then obviously the next move is to vote in somebody who isn't stupid. But if the government is uh, a cunning and manipulative group of murdering rapist bastards, then you can't just vote that out and vote something better in. You've got to uh, understand all of the corruption, or at least enough of it, to make a significant impact. And it's, a, it's, it's harder. And so people don't want to do that. People don't want to take that step on an emotional level and say, hey, this is fucked up and we have to address it. Um, so they hide behind what the government claims to do instead of actually looking at what the government does. And why is this related to Google? Well, first off, not only is Alphabet, which is n what, what, what Google used to be as an official corporate header, not only is Alphabet um, constantly working on projects for InfoSec and defense, uh, you know, with Google X projects and shit like that. Not only are they hooked up and affiliated with the U.S. spying apparatus through the CIA and the NSA, not only are they directly responsible for one of the hugest information dragnet systems to date that people voluntarily contribute to, I know I do, uh, but it's sort of, it's another symbol. Because if the people in Google, which, you know, run YouTube, and that explains a lot, by the way, that they have a leftist uh, staff, or maybe it doesn't, maybe that's just another distraction, that's the fucked up part about realizing how deep this fucking rabbit hole goes. Um, if Google has a leftist staff, that's blocking people from working there, then why wouldn't they also be ideologically driven in what content they chose to block with their new AI system that they're building to basically build the future of people's understanding of the world? I mean, this is a real-time loss of freedom. And it's masked in this friendly, multicolored company of... And by the way, I mean the letters of their logos. I don't mean their people. Oh, you're racist. I can see the fucking Facebook posts now. Um, this friendly front of an organization that's just here to help and provide all of these things for a better living and a better future for free. But behind the scenes, they're collecting a bunch of information and deciding how best to ideologically drive people toward their perfect agenda of leftism. Because otherwise, this guy wouldn't have been fired. Oh, you're, advoca you're advocating harmful stereotypes, you know? Like men and women are the same, man. They don't even believe that. 
What they do know is that if this sort of ideological lockstep stops being considered the norm, then more and more people will push against it. And that's just the surface level. You know, if this is all a distraction, then there's a possibility they don't actually give a shit about their leftist agenda, and they've got a plan to switch over to a more rightist approach so that it can look like the right one again, you know? Like the right one with Trump. And like the right one with uh with with fucking social media left can't meme or whatever. Um You know, cause that's the thing. If this is all an illusion, if this is all a ball and cup game, and th th then saying that the major players aren't involved in this ball and cup game, that they're not in on the hustle is fucking naive. And the same people, by the way, and this is something else I wanted to talk about, that are keeping you safe. Remember, I've been saying lately it's a package deal. Government is a package deal. Well, the same people that are tasked with keeping you safe from, you know, mean employers who say that maybe if you're flowing a little too heavy, you shouldn't be around the numbers right now, or... Maybe if you're too ideologically rigid because you're a male, you shouldn't be in on the creative teams. Um, or, or, or saying, you know, y you can protect your own communities or your own, uh, your, your, your own nation even from, from invasions by being an active member of a militia instead of just a passive member of society with a fake militia that's designed to protect U.S. corporate interests. But that's just what I'm going to talk about next, is protecting U.S. corporate interests. Because Afghanistan was trending recently. And why? Why was Afghanistan trending? Well, because uh, Trump has supposedly made a push for privatizing the war in Afghanistan through Academy. Which is XE, which is X something i forget and which is blackwater is the same renaming bullshit that that they always do in order to shuffle around the paperwork and make it seem like it's an entirely new agency and make it harder to follow what previous agencies have done and rebrand so that it's not so affiliated with those previous agencies and people can say hey this isn't blackwater this is academy they're new um but beyond that uh, so Trump was talking to Eric Prince of Blackwater. He was the founder of the private security firm. But, you know, and this is the distraction point, because this was trending, this was trending, like, yesterday. But it was news, uh, like a month ago. In, in in July, July 10th, New York Times posts, Trump aides recruited businessmen to devise options for Afghanistan. And in the middle of the thing, it has a big-ass picture of Eric Prince. And the article, I'm only going to read part of it, um, written by Mark Landler, Eric Schmidt, and Michael Gordon um, for the New York Times on July 10th, 2017. 
in Washington, President Trump's advisors recruited two businessmen who profited from military contracting to devise alternatives to the Pentagon's plan to send thousands of additional troops to Afghanistan, reflecting the Trump administration's struggle to define its strategy for dealing with a war now 16 years old. Eric D. Prince, a founder of the private security firm Blackwater Worldwide, and Stephen A. Feinberg, a billionaire financier who owns the giant military contractor DynCorp International, have developed proposals to rely on contractors instead of American troops in Afghanistan at the behest of Stephen K. Bannon, Mr. Trump's chief strategist, and Jared Kushner, his senior advisor and son-in-law, according to people briefed on the conversations. On Saturday morning, Mr. Bannon sought out Defense Secretary Jim Mattis at the Pentagon to try and get a hearing for their ideas, an American official said. Mr. Mattis listened politely but declined to include the outside strat- strategies in a review of Afghanistan policy that he is leading along with the National Security Advisor, Lieutenant General H.R. McMaster. A highly unusual meeting dramatizes the divide between Mr. Trump's generals and his political staff over Afghanistan, the lengths to which his aides will go to give their boss more options for dealing with it and the readiness of his White House to turn business people for help with diplomatic and military problems. Now, taking a break from that article, because you should read it, um, even though, you know, New York Times is not a great source, uh... What's interesting is the two people he tapped, because Blackwater, which is now Academy, and DynCorp, which is, I think, still DynCorp, um, were both agencies of private military contracting that are embroiled in controversy. They are consistently... um, at least somewhat dim in the public eye. And DynCorp had some shady dealings um, with with certain employees. I won't say the whole company because I don't know that yet. I don't want to uh, start lying for sensationalism, but certain employees uh, for, for, for a significant period of time uh, were engaged in human trafficking, specifically child trafficking. Um, and the, the Blackwater has constantly been been controversial for their sort of swinging wild approach uh, where civilians have a tendency to end up dying um, and where there's very little public accountability for those civilian deaths. So there's not even like a regulatory committee that they can go to to say, don't do that. Um, Much less having any real punishment for the people who gun down innocent people. Because, you know, the government is a gang. they, They always have been and they always will be. And the fact that they're hiring these private contractors doesn't actually change that. That's why I wanted to include it in the same place as I started talking about Google is because the fact that Google is a, quote, private institution doesn't mean it can't act for the public, at least for what the government says is the public. And understanding this, 
the 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 piece that was at the head of the the trending page makes a little bit more sense when you understand that the the people in because I scratched like the surface of the surface of the surface uh, of the controversy involved with Dying Corp and Blackwater. It's really intense stuff if you ever really want to go into that sort of thing. And and maybe someday I'll do like an expose on the, the motherfuckers because I've been reading into them for a while now. But um, beyond that, this article that, that was like trending and shit. Um, which, by the way, the breaking news at the top of the USA Today article says North Korea is threatening a missile strike on Guam, South Korea new- news agencies say. So, prepare for that distraction for the next bit. Um, you know, or prepare for war. If if they really want to throw people off balance, they might start a global war. So there might be a World War Three coming very soon here. Um, and I might have to, to prep my bug out shit so that I can get the fuck out before they start forcing people to join join up and start killing people. And I, you know, I hope if that happens, there's a revolution that I can join, um, that I can be a useful member of. Um, I know that I've got my particular view of a, of a good society, but I don't think that most people share that. And I'd be willing to fight alongside the 3% and the Oath Keepers and the, you know, authentic anarcho-communists and syndicalists. I'd be willing to fight along whoever had some sort of legitimate reason to fight the government. Um, yeah, I just don't want to support people that are going to hijack it in the end for their own purposes. But anyway, um, Trump White House weighs unprecedented plan, keeping in mind that this was news a month ago. Unprecedented plan to privatize much of the war in Afghanistan. The White House is... Actively, and this is an article by <clears throat> Jim Michaels. It was published yesterday when it was all trending. The White House is actively considering a bold plan to turn over a big chunk of the U.S. war in Afghanistan to private contractors in an effort to turn the tide in a stalemated war, according to the former head of a security firm pushing the project. Under the proposal, 5,500 private contractors, primarily former special operations troops, would advise Afghan combat forces. The plan also includes a 90-plane private air force that would provide air support in the nearly 16-year-old war against Taliban insurgents, Eric Prince, founder of the Blackwater security firm, told USA Today. So that must have been the conversation that Trump and Eric were having in the New York Times article, along with Dying Corp, the totally not child traffickers. Um, and the unprecedented proposal comes as the U.S.-backed Afghan military faces a stalemate in the war and growing frustration by President Trump about the lack of progress in the war. The U.S. military has 8,400 U.S. troops there to train and guide local forces. They do not have a direct combat role and presumably would be replaced gradually by the contractors. Notice the very patriotic language here. They're all supportive. 
even though <clears throat> this is fundamentally not a war that we needed to be involved in, much less need to be involved in. Especially since, again, cannot stress this enough, U.S. government armed the fucking Taliban, the Mujahideen, in the Afghan-Soviet war, and now the Russians are the bad guys again, and we've got another group of Middle Easterners to arm and train. Not like that's designed for long-term sustained conflict. No. The plan remains under serious consideration within the White House, despite misgivings by Trump's National Security Advisor, H.R. McMaster, and Army Three-Star General and Defense Secretary Jim Mattis. Other White House officials, such as Chief Strategist Stephen Bannon, appear open to using private contractors. At what point do you say a conventional military approach in Afghanistan is not working, said Prince, a former Navy SEAL. Maybe we say that at 16 years. Yeah, a conventional approach. Maybe we should leave them alone. Maybe we should stop tearing up their regions. But not. That's too easy. Um, but you get the idea. So, t to get a little bit further into this, I'll read a few paragraphs of another article from the Daily Beast. Um, the real winner of the Afghan war is this shady military contractor, Jacob Siegel, 42414. For over a decade, the State Department gave 69% of its funding to Afghanistan to a single company, a company with a particularly checkered history. DynCorp, one of the largest corporations working in the government's army of private contractors, has long been known for corruption scandals and a questionable performance record. But none of that seems to have discouraged the U.S. government from awarding the company new contracts. The State Department paid nearly $4 billion for projects to aid in Afghan reconstruction from 2002 to 2013. $2.5 billion of that went to DynCorp, 69% of all the money awarded by the State Department over almost the entire duration of the war. The figures on DynCorp's earnings come from a report by the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan, SIGAR, an auditing agency created by Congress to provide oversight on government spending in Afghanistan. According to the SIGAR report, 89% of State Department funding $3.5 billion went to supporting large so-called rule-of-law projects like training and equipping the Afghan police force, and that was DynCorp's primary focus in Afghanistan, too, although the firm had also handled jobs like providing bodyguards for Afghanistan's president, Hamid Karzai. Uh, DynCorp contracts dealt principally with training and equipping the Afghan national police and counter-narcotics forces, DynCorp contracts included police trainers, construction of police infrastructure, and fielding police equipment and vehicles, the Cigar Report states. Well, wouldn't you know that? They're fighting the war on drugs in Afghanistan. Totally. We're supposed to believe that after most of the opium that comes to the world comes from there. And it's still scheduled, and it's still considered highly dangerous. So what better way than to act like you're fighting a war on drugs on a global level and 
really profiting off of that war on drugs by greasing the palms of the people that you were involved with. Getting politicians more and more money and more and more connections and more and more reasons to lobby more and more for re-election campaigns and fucking constant bribes and a pretty decent lifestyle. Great shit. But then there's this thing. And I'll read part of this. It's from Disobedient Media. DynCorp, the private military corporation at the heart of foreign policy scandal. Over ten years ago, Georgia Congresswoman Cynthia McKinney asked Donald Rumsfeld during a hearing on the proposed 2006 Department for Defense budget, Mr. Secretary, is it policy of the U.S. government to reward companies that traffic in women and little girls? That's my first question. McKinney's query broadcast on C-SPAN received few solid answers. Cynthia McKinney is not the only legislator who has asked questions about the role in funding of U.S. paramilitary organizations. Janice Schakowsky, a Democrat representative of Chicago, was quoted by the New York Times. Is the U.S. military privatizing its missions to avoid public controversy or embarrassment, to hide body bags from the media and shield the military from public opinion? The contractors don't have to follow the same chain of command. The military code of conduct, conduct may or may not apply. The accountability is absent and the transparency is absent, but the money keeps flowing. The New York Times article described the essential problem of the government using private contractors like DynCorp. Outsourcing military missions also lets the Pentagon do things Congress might not approve while the Pentagon has secrets. It also fundamentally recognizes that it is a public institution, not so the contractors, whose first allegiance is to their shareholders. Check that article out. My point is this. What's trending right now is all designed to get us to think in terms of what the government could do for us. And that's a fucking mistake, because the government is not in this for us. They never are in it for us. They aren't here for the people. They're here to represent their wealthy partners and their powerful interests. That's it. Because we're not here to be represented and defended and protected and no matter how they can make it appeal to your particular group, whatever that group may be, they're not here for you. Even if they support the decision of a company to fire somebody because they didn't appreciate the diversity jargon, they're not here for you. They aren't here for you. They're here to make money. That should be eminently clear. Um, and they're here to do it by raiding the coffers of the average person and by forcing the entire world to capitulate by having so many tentacles in so many different places that nobody can fight back. Not unless everybody, or at least a significant portion of the population is willing to fight back. And this is how they controlled us. But 
people don't often care about what's outside of their social cir circle, outside of their radius. They don't give a shit. And they've been programmed not to give a shit by people who were there a sufficient level of sunlight disinfectant sprayed upon their being would ignite. We're dealing with really unethical, sick people here. And people run to them for protection. There ought to be a law should be a phrase that fills people with disgust when they realize that their last-ditch effort in, in protecting whatever system they have is to, instead of finding a way to solve it, just get a way to punish people for doing it, whatever it is. And you know, punishment isn't necessarily something I even have a problem with. It's this public punishment bullshit where the U.S. government and all of its corporate bullshit and all these other first world, world interests and these, these royal families and their fraternal orders of bullshit, they all get to run wild as long as they throw tidbits. As long as they make it seem like they're there for you enough of the time that when they're not, you'll forget about those times. It's like a trust exercise with the least trustworthy people on the fucking planet. And they get very cozy and they say, you know, these people came from the same places you did. Bullshit! These people came from very corrupt beginnings and the, 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 the ones in government that didn't get corrupted and that's how they stay fucking in government. Or they just say no so much that the government wants nothing to do with them like Ron Paul did. But either way, we can't seek solutions from these people. We can't hold up their ethics as virtuous. We can't see them as the good guys if we're to succeed in our path to liberty. And we need to finally stand up and realize that this is a possible future, that we could have freedom and peace and liberty, but only if we really work for it. So smash the state, educate your fellow human, and never Stop fighting these motherfuckers. This has been Moment of Rage with Jeremiah Harding, signing out.